You're listening to Life Church Podcast with Pastor Bill Carpenter. We love this kind of stuff. We love people getting married. We love people having babies. You know, it's just grow the church, grow the kingdom, do whatever you got to do. You know, it's just great. So, yeah, welcome to Life Church. All right. <laughs> Okay, let's, let's get into God's Word here. Uh, I want you to take your Bibles and turn. I'm going to read uh, a, a couple of verses or so out of Genesis chapter 37, like the last little bit of it, and then I'm going to skip chapter 38, and I'm going to read about the first six verses of chapter 39, all right? So if you can kind of just figure that out in your Bible uh, for, for a moment here. Uh, 37, I'm going to read beginning at verse 33. Then Genesis 39, I'm going to read the first six verses there this morning with you, and we're going to, we're going to look at those together. So yes, if you need a Bible, some of you already jumped up and, and grabbed some, but there are more Bibles in the back. You can grab them um, if you would like to do that, okay? Um, I have one person who I want to share a testimony this, this morning with you. Um, many of you know Larry, and Larry's going to come up in just a moment. But uh, some of you, uh, look at Larry today because you don't always see Larry around the church, you know. And, and that's part of because his, his profession is like sort of time sensitive, you know. And so he has stuff uh, going on that, that he can't uh, uh, remove himself from every once in a while. And he's going to explain that to you here. But he's also been through um, a, sort of a, 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 a difficult set of circumstances over the last little while. And so uh, we're going to integrate those two things because the circumstances that he's gone through have, have had great impact and great effect on his work that he does, his profession, okay? And I want him to talk a little bit about that this morning. So Larry, would you please come up? This is Larry Schmidt, and um, he and Jan are members of our congregation, covenant members. Um, and I'm going to just have you just tell everyone what you do and a little bit about what that involves and entails. And then you can go into uh, what you've gone through over the last uh, few months. Okay? Okay. Well, okay. I'm a grain farmer over by Parker. And uh, I had heart surgery two months ago. Not quite two months ago. And, um, well, actually... Um, I didn't have to hire anybody to really do anything while I wasn't able to do anything for like six weeks. So I guess that shows you how much work a grain farmer does in the summertime. (laughs) But actually, I just wanted to share a little bit with you. Um, You know, as Christians... We are to be a witness to God and a witness to everything that he does. And uh, I was able to recover from my heart surgery in an unusual, fast way. I mean, it was like before I knew it, I was already on step nine. And uh, they wanted to discharge me from the hospital like two days early. And I requested that I could stay because I didn't want to miss out of my Sunday visitors. And it wasn't anything that I did. And it wasn't anything about me. But it was all about you people. And everybody that sent a prayer up in my behalf. 
It was about Pastor Bill and Pastor Dave coming numerous times to the hospital, laying hands on me and praying for me. It was about Dr. Olson coming to my room late at night and praying for me before surgery and afterwards. It was about my wife being at my side the whole time in prayer. I mean, when they wanted to check me out of the hospital, they asked me who my primary care provider was, and I told them Life Church. No, I really didn't, but I I wanted to. (laughs) Because this is where it all starts. This is where we come and we make that connection with the one that not only died for our sins, but also for our pain and our suffering. We, uh, we have this prayer team that comes up and prays for people at the end of the service. And the reason why they do that is because it really works. And if you haven't accepted Christ as your Savior, you need to come up and get prayed for and if you haven't felt like you could, let's say you've got burdens that, that you need to, to, to have help with, but you feel that you, know, you, you haven't been close enough to God, that you've been too far away, you probably feel that way, but God has never, ever been very far away from you. And I found that out. All you have to do is, I mean, just... Just open that door. He said, he stands at the door and knocks. And if you hear his voice and open that door, he will come in. And that's his promise. And he has this gift for you, this gift of grace. And it's nothing that we deserve or it's nothing that we can... um, can earn, but it's, it's just there for him to give to us. And if we accept that, we can live this abundant life through him. And I'm finding that out after all of this. Thank you. Thank you, Larry. That's a great discovery. It's a great revelation to, to get. And uh, I remember when we first talked with Larry uh, about what he was going to go through, um, and we went through a, a, a bit of emotions here and, and there, starting in my office and then uh, to, the, to the, the hospital or to the doctor's office and then to the hospital or emergency room, whatever, and all of that. Um, but anyway, um, I, I, want, I want you to understand that you know, Larry's a farmer, and the biggest and most important thing for a farmer is a harvest. And Larry um, took, I, I don't think I'm exaggerating, he took a, it took a little bit of encouraging to get you to even go to the doctor. Uh, 
I mean, I'm serious. His wife brought him into my office. He didn't just casually come in. You know, he, she brought him into my office. And, uh, and we, we then convinced him to go, and, and all of the other things ensued after that. But I, I could sense and tell that there was some concern. And, and I, having grew up in the farm community, you know, harvest is everything. You're going uh, under the knife, as, as we say, uh, right at the beginning of, of that, that time of preparation for harvest. So harvest is not yet there, but that time of preparation. That's, that's got to be, be tough. We don't always know what is out in front of us, do we? We don't always know what's out there that is coming our way. God does, but we don't. Uh, and yet God works in all of that stuff. Let's, let's go into Genesis and let's look here just a little bit. I want to go back. I'm going to rehearse some things today. And then um, I'm going to set things up for Pastor Dave to preach to you next week. And we're talking about integrity and, and faithfulness and witness and those kind of things in, in, in these, these next couple of weeks here. Um, so I want to I wanna just go back and, and, and recap uh, the end of chapter uh, 37 and um, Joseph's dream. So I'd, I'd like to begin at verse 33 there. It says that the coat now has been taken. You all know the story. The, the coat has been taken back to, to Joseph's father and, uh, and, and it's blood-stained and all of that, and this deception is taking place here uh, in this story at this time. And it says in verse 33 that as, as his father looked at it, it says, he identified it and said, it is my son's robe. A fierce animal has devoured him. Joseph is without doubt torn to pieces. We just sense this, this feeling of utter devastation and destruction here. Okay. Then Joseph tore his garments and put sackcloth on his loins and mourned for his son many days. All his sons and all his daughters rose up to comfort him, but he refused to be comforted and said, No, I shall go down to Sheol with my son mourning. Thus his father wept for him. Meanwhile, the Midianites had sold him in Egypt to Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, the captain of the guard. So we see all of this stuff that has happened uh, up, up to this point. And then we have this sort of like moment where we see into this strange family. And uh, they're all in this state of mourning over this Joseph who actually isn't dead. And then we get the rest of the picture. There's sort of this shift, if you will. And there's another vignette here. And it says that, that he is now being sold in Egypt into the house of Potiphar who was an officer of Pharaoh. He was the captain of the guard. So everything shifts dramatically here in terms of where this young man is set down, so to speak, where he is put, if you will. All right? So given that, we're going to skip over Judah and Tamar uh, in chapter 38, and let's go to 39. The, the key emphasis in 39 is the dynamic between Joseph and Potiphar's wife, yes. But I only want to take you to that point, and that's sort of the cliffhanger today, is that we're not going to really talk about Potiphar's wife and, and what happened between her and Joseph. But just this interim that gets there and go back and pull some things out of these, these uh, first uh, events in Joseph's life here, Will. Okay? So, chapter 39, beginning at verse 1, it says, Now Joseph had been brought down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, the captain of the guard, an Egyptian, had bought him from the Ishmaelites who had brought him down there. 
The Lord was with Joseph, and he became a successful man. And he was in the house of his Egyptian master. His master saw that the Lord was with him, and that the Lord caused all that he did to succeed in his hands. So Joseph found favor in his sight and attended him, and he made him overseer of his house and put him in charge of all that he had. From the the time that he made him overseer in his house and over all that he had, the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. The blessing of the Lord was on all that he had in house and in field. So he left all that he had in Joseph's charge, and because of him, he had no concern about anything but the food he ate. That's a remarkable, remarkable story right there, just that little bit, that he is is sold into slavery, and yet he appears to have the most amazing sense of freedom in the midst of being a slave. And not only that, how many of you think of the word slave and you have a very positive thought? It's very unfortunate because many slaves who were sold into America um, were actually wonderful people. And many of them came to know Jesus and and were, were Christians and faithful praying people. And even after their emancipation... Some of them stayed in the places they were in and, and, and lived indentured to, to other people. Wonderful, wonderful people. And yet a lot of times we, we have this idea that someone who is a slave is, is, is in some way a lesser person, or maybe not even a person, certainly a lesser person, or they in some way can't be trusted or something like that. You know? And this is still true in, in, in some other countries, all right? Now, hopefully, we are beyond that here. And yet, things rise up, even in America, and we see things. And, we, and, and, and thank God for the church that, ha, that has addressed this in, in, in some amazing, challenging ways. But here's what I want you to understand. Here is a, a young man who, who, really, there's nothing known about him but what he does in this house. This is all that's known about him. This is all they are seeing. This is all they're perceiving. They don't have a history of this young man. They don't have an understanding of where this man came from. If they knew his brothers, they would probably have much more concern. But here he is, and he's being blessed. He's, being, he's, he's, he's enjoying the benefit of the Lord in this house to the point that it says Potiphar has absolutely no concern about anything other than the food that he's eating. What trust And certainly this trust has to speak to us and say to us, what an amazing level of integrity this young man has exuded here. This is absolutely outstanding that a young man who is a slave has proven himself in these dire circumstances in such a way, not becoming a victim and not blaming everyone else, but just doing what he is given to do at such a high level of integrity and with such a sense of responsibility that he is now at the top, so to speak. Now, be careful because this is where we're going to sort of 
bring you to the cliffhanger. He's at this top of the ladder, so to speak. He's worked hard. He's proven himself. He's risen up all through uh, the ranks here, so to speak, in Potiphar's house. And, uh, and he's well thought of and highly respected and deeply trusted. And uh, usually when that happens, it, there's a dangerous place because sometimes there's a deep fall. I remember a man praying for me one time and he said, I want to pray for you. He says, I feel like you're just a spiritual skyscraper. And he says, I just want to affirm you. I just want to say that to you. I just, want to, I just feel like you're, just, you're a young man, and, uh, but, but I, I believe that you lo- really love God. So spiritually, you're just, a, you're just a real skyscraper. This is just right after 9-11. And he laid his hands on me and he says, but re- always remember 9-11. He says, the taller the skyscraper, the more likely the target. And there's something about as we rise to places of success, are, are we benefit from the Lord's blessings? We find ourselves in precarious places as targets of the enemy in some way. And I think we find that in this, this man here. But there's some amazing things that I want to talk about for a few minutes to get us to, to where we, we, we look at that and we see God in this, okay? Um, Mark Twain said once, he said, there, there are two great days in a person's life, the day we are born and the day we discover why. And, and, and I think that's, that's some of the search that a lot of us have, isn't it? There, you know, I, I think there's, there's probably three great days. You know, there's the day you're born, and then there's the day that you're really born, where your eyes are open to see Jesus and your need for him, and you accept Christ and, and, and all of that. But, but there is this sense of, you know, I'm born, and I need to understand why I was born. You know, and so we, we wrestle with that. One's easy. It's just a date on the calendar. Mine is May 12th. That's my date, my birth date. I know that date. You know, that's, that's a given. Um, but then there's this, this, this other one that's not so easy, and it's, it's definitely not a, a, a literal date at all, probably, but it's a, 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 an amount of time. And that's the moment that we, we finally figure out, if you will, why, why God put me on the planet, you know? It's, 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 it's a reason. What is the reason? What is the reason that I've joined like 7 billion other people on this ball of dirt floating through space? You know, I need some understanding. I, I want to I know that. I want to be able to, to work with that, all right? Um, and, and, and often I think it takes a long time, a lot of discovery, if you will, uh, to understand why you're born. But sometimes it may happen suddenly. There may be some certain things that just, it's like aha moments and you get it. You know, you're like, oh, all right, I, this, this is it. Okay, um, let, me, let me take you back just, just a little while ago. I, I, I'm running the Chicago Marathon next Sunday. Uh, and, and so I've been on the internet reading about Chicago. And, and there's just these unbelievable security measures there. Just un, un, I'm going to have to get up at like four in the morning uh, and go down to the park to be able to get through all of the security to be able to run the marathon by 7.30 or be at the start line at 7.30 to get in. And there's all these restrictions of what I can have and I can't have and all that kind of stuff. Um, and, and there's a reason for that. And that, that basically is Boston. Boston is the reason for that. April 18th, Sean Collier, you may remember the name, you may not. He was assigned as a police officer to an intersection on the campus of the Massachusetts uh, Institute of Technology in Boston. Um, Three days earlier, two bombs had gone off in the Boston Marathon, right? Um, Three people were killed, over 250 injured. Massive manhunt. Everybody's looking for, for the, the ones who, who had the bombs, all right? 
Um, Thursday evening, authorities had tracked the bombers to this area right around MIT, uh, right on, on the campus, literally, okay? And they believed that, that sometime right around 10 p.m., these two bombers crept up on Sean Collier's police car, his patrol car, and uh, they shot him five times, killed him. He was pronounced dead at the hospital. Sean was 27 years old. Why am I telling you this? To get to this point, and that is that, that the statement was posted immediately on the university website. The MIT police uh, chief uh, said on, this, on this, this post, he said, Sean was one of these guys who really looked at police work as a calling. And then he makes the statement, he was born to be a police officer. He was born for this, born to be a police officer. Uh, I, I, I can't imagine his family thinking that there's a finer tribute to him than, than that to be posted on, on the web for people to read about a man who died in the line of duty. Um, and I think we can think about this in a lot of different variations. You know, we think of different people and we say, well, she was born to be a mother. He was born to play basketball. She was born to be a politician. He was born to be a soldier. He's a born leader. Uh, things like that. You know, these are, these, are, these are things we say, but I think that that poses then questions that we all have to grapple with. And I'm wondering if Joseph had to grapple with some of these things as well, given that there were so many intersections in his life as he's moving along. And I think there are lots of intersections in our lives, all right? Uh, things that happen that, that move us and shift us and shake us so that we honestly cannot see everything out there in the bigger picture, and yet we long to know, God, what is it that you want me to do? And so the questions that, that I think enter into our mind and that we have to deal with is, you know, what, what was I born to do? What is, what's that thing that I'm supposed to do that, that's so important for me, you know? And, and here's the thing, you're going to spend the rest of your life trying to figure that out. You're going, to, you're going to be working at it all through your life. And that's what we see in the life of Joseph. We see him constantly being shifted and being moved, if you will, by the, by the hand of God. And we see some wonderful things happen and some great testimony, as I read to you today in this passage in 39, how that God's hand was upon him and God blessed him. And yet there are these cliffhangers that go on all through his life that, that demonstrate tremendous adversity and tremendous disappointment and tremendous heartache that is going on. And yet this man continues in his integrity and his sense of responsibility and, and, and just his forward thinking. It's just, it's tremendous. And a lot of times our prayers are, God, what do you want me to do? And that one pastor wrote a blog a while back and he said, you know, he said, I... I took, for years, I, I, I took all these, these questions down that people posed to me when they would enter my office and, and that they would send me by email. And he says, I realized that most of them, almost all of them, he said, boiled down to one simple question, and that was, Lord, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? And I want you to understand that, that, that there is a wonderful thing about a calling. But before you find the calling in the sense of what you do, I pray that you will find the calling to the one you are to do it for. And that is the Lord Jesus. We're called to Jesus first. 
All right? That is our ultimate supreme calling, is we are called to Christ. He calls us to Himself, and we are to be like Him. And then in that, there are many things that happen, many experiences in our lives that move us back and forth so that we can do what God wants us to do. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6 promise that if we will trust in the Lord, right, if we will trust in the Lord, He will make our way straight. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him, and He will make straight your path. Here's the amazing thing. That path of Joseph seems to be quite crooked. That path seems to be quite zigzaggy and all of that. He's in all these different adversities and circumstances and situations, and yet when you go back and step back as we can do uh, today and look, you see also this sort of, in, in the midst of all these things in the life of Jesus, you see this line. God had a plan. And God worked to get Joseph to that place to fulfill the promise that he gave to Abraham. That his descendants would be a blessing in the earth. So based on this story of Joseph, on the life of Joseph here, I, I, I want to I lay out seven things here that I think are, are, are big things for you to look at and consider about God's guidance in your life, all right? And here, let me just list them for you. And I'll, I'll try to do it slow here for those of you who want to write this down, okay? Um, but you can go back on the podcast maybe and get it as well. Number one. God can put you exactly where He wants you to be. God can put you exactly where you want to be. You know what? You don't have to be frozen. You don't have to be static. You don't have to hold back. Step out. Step out and begin to do something for God because God will get you where He wants you to be. I love this passage in, in 39 where it says, Joseph had been brought down to Egypt and Potiphar. All right. Joseph didn't just wake up and say, oh, you know what? I think I want to go down to Egypt and I want to be in the house of a man called Potiphar. That just sounds sweet. No, he was brought down. He was brought down by, in essence, enemies. Individuals that had ill gain and ill intent. And it was at the hands of his own brothers. Yet, he was brought down. And the sense for us is that God brought him down. And God will put you where you need to be. Alright? He can put you exactly where He wants you to be. He can arrange all the details years in advance. It's no accident that Potiphar became head of the guard for Pharaoh. And so it didn't, it didn't just happen by chance that some Midianites happened to be passing by the way of the brothers. It didn't happen by chance that they, they left Shechem and went to Dothan because they wanted to, to, to graze the flock in a different place. And there happened to be cisterns there that you could throw a young man down into. 
God is at work in the midst of all of these things. He can arrange all the details years in advance. He can open doors, number three, and seem to shut them tight if he needs to. He can open doors that appear to be shut so tight that they can't be opened. God can remove any obstacle that is put in your way. Folks, if you think and see and view yourself as a victim, that is what you will be. But if you will understand who you are in Christ and live out of that identity, you'll never walk in a victimized state or mindset. He can take your choices and He can fit them into His plan so that you end up in the right place at just the right time. And this is Joseph. He's right there, right where he needs to be. And God is blessing him. But there are also going to be opportunities where the enemy is going to come in. All right? Now, these are for you. Listen, he can even take mistakes and bring good out of them. He can take mistakes and bring good out of them. He can take tragedy, adversity and such, and use it for your good and His glory. If you, if you, can, you can integrate these seven into to how you are viewing life. I think it can just shift you dramatically, even in your ability to be grateful to God for what is going on around you. And what, maybe even what you are going through. In Proverbs chapter 16, verse 9, it says that in the heart a man plans his course. In his heart a man plans his course. But the Lord determines his steps. Like Joseph, we need to have dreams. Like Joseph, we need to have these, these, these wonderful dreams and, and visions of life. And we need to see what what, what God might do through our lives because He can open shut doors that are closed so tight. So the question is, why, why were you born? Why, why were you born? Why, what, is it, what is it that God is trying to do? And some of you are going to find out some of that maybe early on. Maybe there's an early calling in your life. Um, oftentimes that revelation doesn't come until later in life. Some of us will see it before others will. Some of it will see it in you before you do. And they'll be able to sort of help you to understand it and see it, all right? Oftentimes, though, the circumstances of life will reveal it to us, all right? Oftentimes, others may sense your purpose before you do. And I think that Joseph fit that last category. He never knew his purpose for many years until well into his adult life. And it was only after a real, you know, series of events unfolded. Most of them, by the way, outside of his control. All right? Most of them outside of his control. Many of them painful, quite painful. But then the plan of God begins to unfold for him. Let's, let's rehearse it just a little bit. This is the story of Joseph, all right? Joseph, son of Jacob, son of Isaac, son of Abraham. He was born to a slave uh, to save his family. Uh, Genesis 37 introduces him this way. It says, jo Jacob lived in the land of his father's sojournings in the land of Canaan. And these are the generations of Jacob. Joseph, being 17 years old, and he was helping to pasture the, the flock with his brothers. All right, that's how, that's how it starts. Okay, so he's 17. He's working in the family business. He doesn't have a clue about his future. 
Life is like that a lot of times, all right? If, if we said to Joseph, what I just asked you, do you know what you were born for? He would have no idea. He would, he would no doubt presume that he was destined to be a shepherd like his father Jacob, his grandfather Isaac, his great-grandfather Abraham. This is what he would be doing. Joseph doesn't have a sense of this purpose. Uh, when you're in doubt, what do you do? You kind of stay in the family business. You know, you just do what, what's been done before you and you just stay right there. doesn't always happen, but it's a good bet uh, most of the time. Uh, and so this would probably have been his first guess. He would just, just be there, all right? But, but in truth, he has no idea of the events that are about to unfold, all these things that are about to happen. And that strikes me as quite critical to our understanding of this story of Joseph here because when we read this story and we're thousands of years later uh, and we know how it all ends here, uh, that colors our estimation of these events a lot, okay? And so we need to understand this. Joseph was clueless here, all right? Totally clueless. Let me me throw a side thought in here. You know, I, I, people ask me a lot of times, well, how do I discover God's will? And I almost always say, you can't. And, 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 and then there's this dismay, this, this is a horrible look on people's faces. But, but I don't think you can just like discover the will of God, just like, it's just like, boom, there it is. For most people, that just doesn't happen, you know. For most of you, you don't just automatically know that, this person's going to be your spouse, you know? I mean, you hear that once in a while. Yep, I saw her. I drove up to the drive-in. I took one look at her on them roller skates, and I knew she was going to be my wife, and that was it. Three months later, we were married. Nine more months, and we had our first young'un. Whoo! Most of you, it don't happen that way. There's, there's something that goes on, and there's this discovery that happens for you, and you suddenly discover to a point that it's like, ah, aha, this is going to be my spouse, all right? So I, I don't think that we discover God's will like that most of the time, like in just a moment, it's like, boom, there it is. I, I think it's more like that God's will sort of discovers us. You know, th- things are happening. God's will will discover you. You won't just find it. It, it will find you. It's, it's, it's like a sunrise, not a sunburst, as one pastor said. You know, it's not like, boom, there it is, and it's all this bright light, and it's, 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 you got it. It's the revelation of God. It, it's really not like that. It, it's more like that the sun rises over the horizon, and it's so, not so much that you see the sun rising, all right, but because the sun is rising, you see clearer. All right, the darkness dissipates and you see clearly. You have a better understanding of what's going on around you. And I, and I think Joseph maybe could, could do some of that as time went by, all right, even though there's such adverse events in his life. But here's what I want you to understand about Joseph. He had every reason, he had every right to not live integrity. He had every right to not live faithfulness. He had every right to not live uh, honorable and responsible and all of that. Look at the family that he grow, grew up in, all right? And look at all these circumstances as they went along. Let me, let me just kind of summarize the whole picture here, and we'll go back just a little bit here, and, and, and we'll try to get done here pretty quick. Um, he, was, he, he was Jacob's favorite son. He was betrayed. He was sold into slavery. He was purchased by Potiphar. 
he did come up in Potiphar's house, but then there's this accusation from Potiphar's wife. He's thrown into prison. The baker and the butler is in prison there with him, but the butler forgets him and he just has to stay there. Then he has to go stand before Pharaoh. He becomes the prime minister of Egypt. He meets his brothers all over again and is confronted with whether or not he will forgive them and rescue them. And then he gave his family this amazing home in Egypt. All of that ended up saving not only his family, but preserving the line of promise as well. All right? So Joseph rode this roller coaster kind of life, and he did it from the start of a family that was absolutely dysfunctional. All right? So let's understand. I mean, that's the word we would use today if we were talking 21st century. Joseph grew up in a dysfunctional family. His father Jacob had four wives, he had 11 brothers scattered among four wives. Uh, he had one full brother. The youngest child of all was, was Benjamin. With all of that, you know, there's, there's bound to be some kind of trouble. On top of that, Joseph is always the favorite. All the brothers knew it. Jacob's family was just like a disaster waiting to happen here. Um, it, it's, just, it, it's like reality TV material, you know. It's just, it's just really, really goofy, all right? So it doesn't take a genius to figure all this out. Something, something has to happen. However, here's what I want you to understand today, and this is, this is kind of what, what we want to close with here, is that, that out of all of this will come this Joseph who many years down the road will rescue his brothers that betrayed him, that sold him out. And so this is an amazing type of rescue story here that we see in, in this, all right? And I want you to understand that, that many, many people see life through some dark clouds and they, they kind of live on that sort of horizon. And, and, and I want you to understand that Joseph just, he just put integrity and responsibility and loyalty and all these things right at the forefront. And there's a lot of us that wouldn't do that, especially if no one was watching, if no one could see it. But here's what I want you to understand. Here's kind of the, the key picture here, or the key, key idea in the picture. And that is this. Your background is no impediment to serving God and to serving with integrity. doesn't matter what you come from. we got people in here from broken families. we got people in here that are, are fresh out of the prison system. We got people in here who have been sexually abused as a child. We got people in here who have been addicted to drugs and alcohol. We've got people in here who just are, are dealing with a lot of inferiority and rejection and abandonment and all those kinds of things. And a whole lot of this stuff started way back when. All right. But what I want you to see is I want you to see a young man here that regardless of all this that happened to him, even leading up to this point of being sold into Potiphar's house, he still stayed faithful. He still had integrity. He was still uh, a man that, that could be trusted and could, could be depended on. And it says here that God was with him. All right? The Lord, verse 2 of 39 says, The Lord was with Joseph. He was successful. The Lord was with him. He became really the master of the house. All right? And, and this true master of the house, Potiphar saw that the Lord was with him. And he saw that the Lord caused good things to happen in Joseph's life. And so he continued to give him responsibility. All the way to the point in verse 6, it says that everything was in Joseph's charge. And because of him, Potiphar had no concern about anything but the 38. 
It's just an amazing, amazing thing, all right? Integrity is huge. It's absolutely essential, folks, for us to be a good witness. And Pastor Dave's going to talk about that witness next week. Because here's what's going to happen. You, even if you have success, even more so if you have success, if God blesses you in what you put your hand to do, if you are faithful and you are successful and you move up the ladder, so to speak, and you enjoy the benefits of those blessings yourself along the way, you are going to reach a point where you are going to enter into temptation. Temptation will come into your life. Temptation will intersect your life and you will be tempted to compromise in some way and not walk in the integrity of godliness and righteousness. Because that's what the way of the world is. To just get what you want for yourself. Just, get, just go after it yourself. Run over, step over, do whatever you need to do. All right? And, and, and deceive. It doesn't matter. As long as you get what you want. That's what the world will try to tell you. And I'm telling you, here's a wonderful example of a man who stayed true. Who lived in integrity. And God blessed him all the way through. And even in that place of blessing, adversity jumped in hit him, T-boned him, if you will. And you'll see that next week. But this man stays true, all right? So there's no duplicity here in this particular man's life. One man was quoted not too many years ago. He made this statement. It was on the news. It was, it was all over the place. He said, I'm definitely darker. I'm definitely darker. And then he expounded on that, but that's, that's what went across the news headlines. I'm definitely darker. At the end of the day, who everybody meets in the public eye, the public image, and myself are two different people in a way. It's a very accessible version of me. I'm definitely more introverted. I'm definitely darker. I'm definitely more at times pessimistic in real life. I shouldn't say pessimistic. That's a little strong. I'm more pragmatic in real life because I come from a whole different body of experience. Have any idea who said that? Corey Monteith. Hit TV show Glee. He was 31 years old. He died in a hotel room in Vancouver. He died of an overdose of alcohol and heroin in 2013. In 2011, he gave an interview, folks, to Parade Magazine. And he talked about his past, his experience with drugs, and then he made this conclusion. This is what he was first quoted as saying. I don't want kids to think it's okay to drop out of school and get high and that they'll be famous actors too. I'm lucky on so many counts. I'm lucky to be alive. Well, he is no longer alive. He is gone. He is gone. He, he could not live in that level of integrity with his success that he needed. Did you hear his heart in 2011? I'd really like to be a role model. I don't want kids to be like me. I, I don't want kids doing this stuff. But in 2013, he dies of an overdose. There, there, there's a place for you and I to live. We, we, we face a lot of real problems, folks. A lot of real problems. But most of those problems are not out here. They're in here. They're in here. And Joseph could have bit into any one of those lies at any given time. But rather, he stayed faithful. He kept integrity. 
he stayed true to the character that had been instilled in him with his understanding of God. And as he stayed there, God blessed him and God gave him success. So we see, and this is, this is, this is what's going to happen as we go through this. We're going to constantly start seeing this hero rise up. This, this guy, Joseph, he's such a great hero. And, and, and he's so wonderful. And look at what he did. But I want to help you to understand something today. And, and, and Larry brought it out beautifully. It, it, it's not about us. It's not about Joseph. It's about this God. It's about this God. And this God intersects Joseph's life throughout and continually blesses him and works with him. Your life is not your own. As Pastor Dave always says, your life is a blank check for you to give to God. Blank check. That means you just, you just turn it over to him and he writes in whatever amount he, he would like. And I want to challenge you and I that we understand this today, that y- you are going to face some adversities and some difficulties. The enemy's going to come in and try to tempt you. And the more successful you are, the more affluent you get, the better quality of life you have, the deeper your relationships are, even the better your marriage gets, there are going to be temptations that are going to try to come in and destroy all of these things. And God would have you to stay true. And God would have you to be a person of integrity because there is a witness that he desires for you to display among the people in this earth. And that is so vital, so, so vital. And God is the hero because he comes in in all of these places and he will strengthen you. He will guide you. He will direct your path along the way just as he did Joseph. And your life may feel like it's a zigzag in all kinds of places, all right? But there is a straight line to the purposes and the will of God for you. And I want to ask you today that you let God into that place 